the least we can do for our fathers. Yes, this is Father's Day, and do you know that today 80 million pounds of beef are going to be consumed? 80 million cows, just because it's Father's Day. And not only that, but 100 million cards are going to be mailed, or have been mailed for Father's Day. And um, that's pretty good, 100 million cards. But, uh, gentlemen, I'm sorry to say that we don't get anything near the number of cards that women get sent to them on Mother's Day. They get, they get 400 million cards sent out all around the world for Mother's Day. Absolutely amazing. Uh, the Almanac for, fathers, or for farmers and city folks says that the largest number of collect calls are made on Father's Day. <laughs> Imagine that. Happy Father's Day, Dad. Will you accept the charges? <laughs> and uh, just another bit of, uh, of useless trivia. Uh, the average number of gifts per dad on Father's Day is 2.5 gifts, two and a half gifts. And um, I'm just, I uh, can hardly wait to see how many gifts I'm going to get. I hope it's more than two and a half. At least three, because I got three kids, right? I want to share with you today how you can be a great dad. And this morning, if you're not a great, if you're not a dad, I was going to say if you're not a great dad, if you're not a dad, I don't want you just to sort of tune out and say, well, this doesn't apply to me, so I'll just wait till it's over. What I want to share with you is actually the, the protocols of greatness, how, how you can be great. What I mean by protocols, the practices, the, the sort of the modus operandi that, that, that makes you great or leads you to greatness. And of course, uh, before we go any further, I, I just need to remind all of our fathers that greatness begins with just spending time with your kids. Did you know that? That's the most important thing that you can do is just spend time with your kids. Be present to your kids. The best present that you can give your kids is to be present. This is the beginning of greatness. Dr. James Turnbull, a a psychiatrist at the University of Texas, says that the average father spends 25 minutes in meaningful conversation with their children every week. Not every day, but every week. In the course of a whole week, the average father will only spend about 25 minutes in meaningful conversation with his children. Charles Francis Adams, a 19th century uh, political figure and diplomat, wrote in his diary one day, went fishing with my son today. A day wasted. His son also was keeping a diary, and in his diary he wrote, went fishing with my father today, the most wonderful day of my life. Folks, what uh, what happened here? One is saying it's the best day of his life, and the other one is saying it's a day wasted. I'll tell you what happened. Is that one of the two of them did not understand his purpose, his ultimate purpose in life. And I'm going to tell you, the most important thing in your life are your relationships. Did you know that today? The most important thing in your life are your relationships. And you've heard me say this many, many times. I've been at the, at the bedside of many a person who has just got hours or days, maybe just weeks to, before they pass from this world. And always, without exception, 
the last sort of uh, thoughts of what this life has been about and, and the last sort of regrets that are expressed is that I wish I would have spent more time with my kids. I wish I would have spent more time with my wife. I wish I would have spent more time in communion with God. That's all that matters when this life is through. And so, fathers, I have to remind you once again, the most important thing you're going to do as a father is to spend time with your children. Make sure that you connect with them. Look at this verse in Luke chapter 16, verse 10. And if you would read this with me, please. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. We're talking today about, about stewardship. Fathers, you have been entrusted with children. You are called father because you have children. Surprise. And because you are a father, because you have children, you have certain responsibilities. And I would hope that it is your desire that at the end of your life, the people in your life will say, he was a great father. And if they say that you are a great father, then I can tell you that you are indeed great. Your life has been a success. This, uh, just yesterday, I was uh, visiting my older brother. And um, my older brother is a plumbing contractor. He's got a successful plumbing company. In fact, it's called Duncalf Mechanical. And for those of you who are not familiar with plumbing uh, vocabulary, the mechanical refers to all the pipes in a building. And um, my brother does strictly commercial, doesn't do any residential stuff. And um, he's very successful at it. A company in Chicago that produces a quarterly industry magazine called my brother and asked if he could do an article on him and his company. And at first, my brother thought it was a hoax because he didn't really see himself as that great. But uh, they insisted, yes, in fact, they wanted to do uh, a report. And so they sent their reporter from Chicago. They sat down and talked with my brother and his sons about the company and how successful it was. My brother uh, threw the article, threw the magazine at me, as older brothers do to younger brothers. Catch. <laughs> and uh, I opened up the magazine and began to read. The first paragraph was introductory, a little bit about my brother's company and where it is. And the second paragraph talked about our dad and how our dad had the very first Duncalf Mechanical back a number of years ago and how our dad's example is what got him established, how my dad set for him a model that he could follow, how my dad taught us how to work and how to be plumbers. Now, there's some kind of a genetic mix-up because I turned out to be a pastor, not a plumber. Uh, I, can, I can unplug toilets and, uh, and maybe do a bit of soldering, but that's about, about the extent of it. And quite frankly, that's all I want to know how to do. <laughs> but my brother honored our father and then proceeded to talk about his relationship with his sons. He talked about what my dad did for him and now what he is doing for his sons. 
I read that and I, uh, I, I felt very emotional because I thought, man, this is the, about the best tribute a father could get. And I say this to you, I tell you this story, not to brag about my brother's company, but to tell you that children learn from you better than they learn from anyone else. Did you know that? Your children will watch every move you make. They will listen to every word you utter. They will watch your attitude. They will adopt your values. And so, fathers, it is extremely important that you understand how important it is that you live your life in a way that will honor God, that you be faithful in the fulfilling fulfillment of that Scripture. The other day I got reamed out by a fellow who Hadn't been to church for years, actually, but uh, somehow still considers this his home church. And he, he reamed me out because he felt that I, I had no time for him. And I tried to patiently explain to him that I am a father now, th- three uh, children. One is graduating from grade 12, another one's graduating from grade 8, changing high schools. A young daughter and son who were got exams. They've all got exams. It's a busy time in my life right now. I said, can you just wait till July? It's, you, unless you're dying, uh, can it wait till June? Are you dying? No, uh, no, I'm not dying. Well, then can you just wait a couple weeks till July comes? He got so mad. He reamed me out that what kind of a pastor was I? And I didn't obviously care about the people. I thought to myself, man, I could, I could, I could accept this guilt trip. But you know what? It was, it was wonderful because the, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me and reminded me of my first duty. And my first duty is to my children. Did you hear that? <laughs> I'm not shirking my responsibility because I'm telling you, if you're dying, I'm going to be there. I'll be there at the, in the middle of the night. And some of you have had visits from me in the middle of the night. But I said, my first responsibility is to my children. They've been entrusted to me. The Bible says whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. I want to ask you the question this morning. What kind of a father are you? And if you're not a father, let me ask you this. What kind of a Christian are you? How are you living your life? Are you living your life as one whom God can trust with responsibilities in his kingdom or not. In this passage, Jesus gives us the, the protocols of greatness. And so let's take a look at them. First of all, it says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. Look at the word trusted. What we're reminded here, my friends, is of the character of God. Because God alone is 100% trustworthy, 100% faithful all the time. How many know that today? How many would say, yeah, God is, is trustworthy? Would you say that this morning? Three people believe that God is trustworthy. Do you believe it this morning? God is trustworthy. Guess what? He has called us to be like him. Did you know that? Even as he is trustworthy, God has called us 
to be trustworthy. And that, number one, should say, seek to please God. Not to please yourself and not even to please others. Your first responsibility is to please God. Your job is to model for your children godliness. To model for your children relationship to God. And if you're not a father this morning, your responsibility is still the same. Your job is to have relationship with God. At the end of the day, you should be able to say, Today, I pleased God. Today, I made God happy. Today, I honored God with my life. Can you say that when you go to bed at night? If you can't, then you you need some careful work on your life. You need to seek to please God and not yourself. If you're going to seek God's approval, then what you need to do is you need to model for your children a relationship with God. That means it's simply showing up for your relationship with God. Listen to this. Listen to this uh, bit of startling research conducted by the Christian Businessmen's Committee. And this is simply research done. This is not a chauvinistic statement, so don't anybody get mad at me or throw tomatoes, but listen to what it says. Their findings discovered that when the father is an active believer, that means someone who doesn't just say, I'm a Christian, but, but someone who actually lives out their faith. When, when someone is an active believer, there is about a 75% likelihood that the children will also become active believers. But if only the mother is a believer, there is this likelihood that only 15% of those children will go on to serve God. Fathers, do you understand today how utterly critical it is for you to model for your children a faithful relationship to God? That means that your kids need to catch you praying. The other morning, I was I was uh, sitting at the kitchen table, and and Sarah was up a bit earlier than usual, and she saw me sitting there studying my Bible, and she she sat down, and I'm near, I'm studying my Bible, and she starts firing off these questions to me, and and this is going to be this is going to sound hilarious, but I mean I'm sitting there, I'm I'm getting annoyed at her because I'm trying to read my Bible. I'm saying, Sarah, don't you have other things to do? I, I got a st- I'm meeting with God right now. And all of a sudden, I said, such a, such a check in my spirit. And I thought, man, this is exciting because my daughter is watching me, is experiencing me have a relationship with my Father in heaven. And she says, what are you writing there? I, 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 I write about two pages every day on a passage of Scripture that I'm studying. So can I read this? I think, yeah, sure. Read the insights that the Spirit of God is showing me, sweetheart. And she said, well, what does this mean? What does this mean? I, I said, okay, honey, it's now time for you to get ready for school. And then I just said, God, thank you for the opportunity to, to demonstrate to my children what it means to have a relationship with God. When's the last time your children saw you praying? When's the last time your children saw you on your knees crying out to God on their behalf or on behalf of those who don't know Jesus? I'm telling you, 
There's nothing that will touch your children more than seeing you in a deep relationship with Jesus Christ. And can I tell you something else? If you just show up for church every Sunday and and drag your kids along, (laughs) it will have such an impact on them as you cannot imagine. Because guess what? You can tell your kids, do as I say and not as I... But guess what they do? They always do what you do. You can lecture till you're blue in the face. But I'm going to tell you right now that the greatest sermon... The greatest lecture that you can give the people in your life is that you live out your values, that you live out your relationship to God. You can talk about how spiritual you are and how Christian you are and all the Christian things you do, but I'm telling you, nobody can can sniff out a fake faster than children. Isn't that true? They know when you're not telling the truth. They know when you're not being real. They know when, when your Christianity is a fraud. And so you need to be very careful that you are trustworthy, that you can be trusted even as your Father in heaven is trusted. And, I, you know, I, it's something that I discovered as I was studying, and I hadn't seen this before. It's ridiculous. I should have seen it. But do you want to know what the original small group was? The family. That's the place where you get together with your family and you sit around a table and you discuss the issues of the day. And you talk about life. And you ask your kids, what happened at school today? And they report back to you the things that happened at school. Or they report back the things that happened at work. Or they report back to you what happened in the playground. And then you as a father have the opportunity to speak to them about your values. What Jesus would do. My friends, this is, this is called seeking God's approval. Doing life God's way. This, the second thing I want to point out to you this morning is that when it comes to greatness, it always starts small. This is what the Bible says. Whoever can be trusted with very little, with the small things, can also be trusted with the big things. When it comes to great character, when it comes to being a great dad with great kids, doing great things, it starts, my friends, with you giving attention to the small details of your life, which means what? Which means that you don't cut corners. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? Which means you're not going to be telling little white lies. How many know that a, a white lie is a lie? Did everybody know that? How many know that God doesn't have two standards where you can just do as every, whatever you please because you rationalize it somehow. If you're going to be great, then you need to start doing great things, even when it comes to the small things in your life. Little Sarah, once she understood that there was a, a needle on the dash that registered speed, and also discovered that there was a sign on the side of the road that corresponded to that needle. Guess what I've got? i got a backseat cop <laughs> who looks over my shoulder and will say, Dad, are you going the speed limit? <laughs> I 
And so I have to say, honey, I'm not, and I am wrong. The small things. You think it doesn't matter? Oh, yeah, it matters. Because here's the thing, friends. You start cutting corners. You start trying to run around the law. Start justifying your actions and your behavior. Guess what your kids are going to do? Not only will they do that, but they're going to take it to a new level. And so it's absolutely essential, fathers and everybody who is not a father here today, that you not cut corners and you do things in a way that pleases God. When you are faithful in the small things, God will bring greatness to your life. So I'm going to ask you a question this morning. Are you trustworthy? Can the people at work trust you? Do they believe what comes out of your mouth? Are you honest? Or are you given to the, to the odd white line now and again? I'm telling you, you say, Pastor, man, you're just splitting hairs here this morning. No, I'm talking about a standard of godliness, my friends, that honors God. And God says if you're faithful in the small things, then you'll be great. And I don't know about you, but I want my kids to be great. I want my kids to succeed in life. I want my kids to do well in life. I want them, I want them to, to get a job and, and to do well in that job. One of the things I'm so thankful for in my father is that he taught us how to work and how to work hard. And today, my, my younger brother, my older brother, myself, we all work hard. My sister, we all work hard. And we know we're not afraid of work. I'm thankful for that. But you see, got taught in the small things, in the small ways. Woody Allen said, the only thing standing between me and greatness is me. (laughs) And that's the way it is for every one of us. If you're not a success in life, if you're struggling, your job isn't producing the way you thought it would produce, if you're not rising up up the ladder of success, could it be, could it be that you have been unfaithful in the small things? Because you will never be elevated. You will never rise to the top if you're not faithful in the small things. When I was in Greece, uh, the fellow that I worked with there, Andy Papadopoulos, said to me one day, Alan, or as he liked to call me, Duncalf, jump in the car, I want to take you for a ride. I said, where are we going? He said, you'll see when we get there. We went for about a 20-minute drive, and we came to a place called Marathon. Anybody ever heard that term before, Marathon? It's a Greek town on the, on the sea. And there is a monument to the Greek messenger, Phidipides, who ran from Marathon to Athens to report to the officials that, in fact, the Greeks had won the battle against the Persians. He says, we won. And then after he uttered those words, we won, he dropped dead right on the spot. Now, we still have marathons today. And for the most part, we don't have too many people dropping dead. (laughs) I'm happy to say. But there's a reason why people don't drop dead. And it's because anybody who runs a marathon knows that they need to train. And that every day leading up to that marathon, there's certain small things that they've got to do if they're going to make it to the finish line. There's training exercises they've got to go through. They've got to run a certain number of kilometers every day. They've got to monitor what they eat and how they eat and how often they eat. 
They've got to make sure they got their vitamins. And on and on it goes. And it's small little details that would aggravate the rest of us. And we'd say, you know, forget this, this stuff. Let's get on to the marathon. But the problem is, my friends, is it never works that way. You can never run the marathon if you don't take care of the small details first. Now let the Spirit of God speak to your heart this morning. Because if you want to be great, if you want to rise to the top, if you want to have a great job and do well in life, if you want to be a success, and you've got to do things God's way. You've got to follow His pattern. You've got to follow His program. And it begins by starting small with the small little things in your life. The third thing I need to point out to you this morning, if you want to be great, you want to be a great father, if you want to be a great grandfather, if you want to be a great businessman, if you want to be a great student, if you want to be great in whatever you do, and then the third thing is self-discipline. Now look at this. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is, look at this, whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. Has anybody ever gone through a superstore? And you know the bulk section? No one's going to miss one jujube, right? No one's going to no one's going to miss a little puff cheese. I can take that. No one's going to miss, you know, no one probably will miss it. And if they see you taking it, they probably won't do anything. But guess what happened? If you're dishonest in that little thing, you're going to be dishonest in great things. Whenever I used to go to the supermarket with my grandmother, she would always be eating grapes. And they weren't grapes she brought with her. (laughs) See, so go through the grape. Look, no, that looks like a good grape, and that looks like a good grape. Alan, try one. So there I am with a grandma eating grapes. <laughs> I met married Glory, and I go to the supermarket, and I'm eating grapes. What are you doing? This isn't a buffet. You can't pull up to the grocery section and start eating vegetables and fruit. That's what my grandma always did. I asked my grandma, why, 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 uh, and this is only after Gloria pointed out that I shouldn't do it. <laughs> I'm a minister of the gospel and all. <laughs> and my grandma said, well, I'm just tasting it to make sure they're sweet. It's amazing how we can justify ourselves, isn't it? I'm going to tell you this. If you're justifying yourselves in in small things, then you're probably going to justify yourself in the big things as well. Can I just remind you this morning that the antithesis or the opposite of trustworthiness is not dishonesty. Well, it's part of it, but that's not the the full definition of the antithesis of trustworthiness. I'll tell you what it is. It's selfishness. Because here's the thing. When you, live uns- when you live selfishly, you don't care about anything or anyone else. And un- unfortunately, we've got some fathers 
and I've been guilty of this myself, who are, who are lacking discipline as fathers. You say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, I'll tell you very simply what I mean. Fathers, isn't it easier when you come home from work just to sit in front of the TV and watch a movie or watch TV? Isn't it easier just to pick up the newspaper and, and read what's, what's happening in the paper? Isn't it easier just to sit down and close your eyes and have a snooze? Of course it is. But if you want to be great, then you have to understand something. You're not living for yourself. You're not living for yourself. And I don't care if you're... This this is for everybody. It's not just for fathers. It's for everybody. If you want to be great, then you have to bring the selfishness to an end. And you know what I'm talking about. I don't need to point out to you what selfish things you're doing because you know what they are already. You need to start living for others. And the truly great people, the people that we all look to as our heroes are people who live completely unselfish lives. Isn't that true? It's true. Mother Teresa gets a Nobel Peace Prize, speaks to the Congress of the U.S., travels around the world. And what was she recognized for? She was recognized for living an unselfish life. And we single her out as some sort of exception. But my friends, every one of us as Christians is called to live like this. Disciplined lives. Where we live for others and not for ourselves. And if you're a father, will you live for your kids and not for yourself? I had a 23-year-old fellow in my office, a professional. Very sharp young man going to move up the ladder real quick. And he's not a Christian. But he wants to talk to me about Christianity because it intrigues him so much. And uh, he's been to see me, I don't know, three or four times. We've been for lunch and coffee several times. And, and he, he says to me, and, and, and we're going to go again. He says, I'm going to buy, and I bought him lunch last time. But he says, I'm going to buy you lunch next time. I said, where are we going? He said, 529 Wellington. I said, okay. <laughs> if you don't know 529 Wellington, look it up on the internet. But he says to me, uh, could we go golfing sometime? I said, well, I don't golf. He goes, why not? He says, don't you have clubs? I said, oh, yeah, I do. In fact, you want to see them? Because here in your office, you've got your clubs? I said, yeah. He says, where are they? Looking around behind the books somewhere. <laughs> I said, they were in my closet here. I opened the closet, and there they were, still in the box and still in the wrappers. And he's looking at the clubs. He's looking at me, looking at the clubs, looking at me. And he's saying, this is weird. (laughs) He said, why don't you play golf? I said, because my kids are my golf. Until my kids are grown up and got lives of their own and are out golfing and don't have time, then then I might consider taking up golf. But right now, my kids are my hobby. Now, if anybody here is a, gol- is a golfer and golfs, whatever, like, I'm, this is not condemnation. I'm just telling you, this is all I've got time for, is to hang out with my kids. He's, he stepped back. He's, he just shook his head. He said, this is amazing. This is absolutely amazing. And then for three hours, he listened to me tell him, about Jesus for three hours. 
he saw something authentic, something real, something that he wanted. I have to ask you, fathers, are you, are you, uh, are you cheating? Are you self-controlled? You control, your, you control yourself in the sense that you are actively being a good father. The rest of you who are not fathers, what about you? Are you cheating? Are you doing what you know you need to do or are you doing whatever you please? Because anybody who does whatever they please will never rise to greatness. You'll never be a success. You'll never do well. That's just the plain facts. But I'll tell you this, if you're putting God first, if you're spending time with your children, you will rise to the heights of greatness. You will accomplish great things. A man was studying for his, doing his doctoral thesis. His little five-year-old daughter, he's, he's, he's got a, a week's worth of work to do in a weekend. Anybody know what that's like? <laughs> that's my whole life. This little girl, five years old, comes up to his dad and says, Dad, I got a picture. I got to show it to you. And the father says, not now, dear. Not now. She goes away, comes back 20 minutes, says, Dad, I got to show you this picture. Do you want to see it? And the father says, no, as a matter of fact, I can't right now. Little girl walks away, comes back an hour later. Dad, do you want to see my picture or not? The father says, no. (laughs) Little girl walks away. And in that moment, he feeling like a jerk, calls his daughter back and says, okay, come, come and show me the picture. The little girl, undaunted, climbs up on her dad's knee and begins to explain the picture. And she says, there's mommy, and there's me, and there's the dog. And there's my, there's my brother. There's some birds in the trees. And... Um, there's my friends from school. They're playing on the playground. Do you like it, Daddy? Yeah, it's a very nice picture. Okay, Dad, that's all. Goodbye. She scurries out of the room. And the man thinks for a moment, something was not right with that picture. He calls his daughter back and says, let's look at your picture again. Where's Daddy? And she says, He's at the library. (laughs) Dads, are you in the picture? Are you in the picture? Are you fulfilling your duty? Are you putting your kids first? Are you putting others first? Those of you who aren't fathers, are you putting others first? Because that is, in fact, the definition of greatness. Irma Bombeck paints a portrait of a little girl who loved her dad, but really wasn't sure what her dad did. And one morning, her father didn't get up and go to work. In fact, he went to the hospital, and he died that day. The little girl said, I hadn't thought that much about him before. He was just someone who left in the morning and came home at night and seemed glad to see everyone. He could open jars of pickles when no one else could. That's what dads are for, you know. We're pickle jar openers. 
He was the only one in the house who wasn't afraid to go into the basement by himself. He cut himself shaving, but no one kissed it or got excited about it. And it was understood when it rained, he got the car and brought it around to the door. And when anyone was sick, he went out and got the prescription filled. Took lots of pictures, but wasn't in many of them. And whenever I played house, the mother doll had a lot to do. But I never knew what to do with the daddy doll, so... I had him say, I'm going off to work now, and then I threw him under the bed. (laughs) The funeral was in our living room, and a lot of people came and brought all kinds of good food and cakes. We had never had so much company before. I went to my room and felt under the bed for the daddy doll. When I found him, I dusted him off and put him on my bed. He never did anything. I didn't know his leaving would hurt so much. Fathers, you just cannot believe how important you are. How utterly important you are to your family. Those of you who are not fathers, you cannot believe how utterly important you are to the people in your life. Can I call you to recognize that God has entrusted to you the people in your life. And your job is to be a blessing to everyone you know. I don't care how poor a man is. If he has family, he's rich. And can I say this to you today? Those of you who are fathers, those of you who have family, those of you who have friends, you're rich, very rich. Can I remind you not to squander it? Don't squander these riches. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Father, you've called us to live great lives. But the only way we can do that is if we're faithful with what's been entrusted to us. And so, God, in order to be great, we recognize today that you've called us to to begin with God, to seek your approval first, to seek your pleasure, not our own, to be an example to our kids of what it means to have a relationship with God. You've called us, Lord, to be faithful in the small things. And when we're faithful in those small things, then... We'll know your blessing in the big things. We'll know success. We'll know advancement. You've called us, Lord, to be self-controlled, disciplined, living not for ourselves but for others. We need your grace today. We need your strength. I wonder if I could ask all the dads just to come and join me here at the altar. I want to pray for you this morning. Don't delay. Just move out quickly. Lots and lots of dads here, so you're not going to be standing here all alone. Dad, just gather in here right in front of me. Because how many know that dads need God's help? Everybody know that? Don't be shy. Move in. Move close. That's it. I'm going to ask you to do something else. I want you to pretend we're a football team. Just about. Put your arms around the guy's shoulders next to you. Would you do that? we got all kinds of dads here. Tall ones, short ones. 
big ones. That would be me. <laughs> Smaller ones. Young ones, old ones. God, I want to say thank you today for these dads, these fathers who are here in the house of God. Lord, these men may be tempted at times to seek their own pleasure. Maybe some standing here today are saying, man, that's, that's been me lately. God, we're so grateful that you are forgiving and loving Father. And uh, God, I just pray that you would put within the hearts of these men a brand new desire to please you and honor you so that their children would see them loving you and serving you. So their children would look to them and say, man, I want to be like my dad. God, give them grace today. Father, I pray that uh, it would help these men to live a, in a way that brings honor and glory to your, to your name. Help them, Father, to be, to be faithful in the small things so their kids can see strong values in their lives, so their kids will know beyond a shadow of a doubt what's right and what's wrong. May these dads model for their kids godliness, righteousness. I pray, God, that these fathers gathered here today would be self-disciplined, that they would put their families first, their children first. They'd put their church first. And God, if these men do these things, they will truly be great men, great men of God. They will truly be great fathers. Some here are young and some are old. Some are at the beginning of the journey of fatherhood. Some are coming to the end of the journey of fatherhood. One thing we do know, Lord, is we're, once we're a father, we're a father till we die. God, I pray that you would help these men embrace their responsibility as dads to model for their families righteousness and godliness to stand up for truth and what's right and what's pure and what's holy. Especially in this world, oh God, where all the lines seem to be blurred, where everything seems to be gray. God, make these men truly godly men who set an example for their children without compromise, without compromise. Our young fathers here today, God, we pray that you would help them to to learn early on how to cry out to you and ask for wisdom and help. And those, Lord, have been fathers for years. Help them, Lord, to not give up, to not sort of wipe their hands clean and say, I've done my job. Help them to, to continue to set the example for their children. For those fathers right now who are struggling, you've got battles in their home, God, may you just reveal yourself as faithful and able to help even through these difficult times. God, we just give you the glory and thanks today because you're so faithful and you're so good to us. And we praise your name. Can I ask everyone to stand with me, please? Father, Father in heaven, our good and gracious, loving, compassionate, merciful, patient Father, we thank you that we have in you the example that we need. We pray that you would help us as fathers to daily call upon you and look to you for the help that we need to be truly great dads. And for those of us who are not dads today, 
God, we, we need your grace to be great people who do great things. Help us to live by these protocols of greatness for your glory and honor. Now, Lord, make your face to shine upon each one. Give us grace until we meet again. And we give you thanks in Jesus' name. And everyone said it? Amen. Amen. Give someone a hug beside you, would you?